All right. Praise the Lord. Is up. All right. All right. Praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah. Uh, and there, there's just, uh, I got the, um, I got the, uh, full version of my wife's testimony from Pattaya. And man, she, that's just a small piece of uh, all the amazing testimonies and, and wonderful stories that she, uh, saw and ex- witnessed while she was there. And, uh, I just want to encourage you guys, uh, just continue, uh, to ask the Pattaya team about, uh, what they experienced. Uh, go check out Friday Fire's podcast. Because uh, God did some amazing things, and uh, you know it wasn't just the Pattaya team; uh, it was our church. We sent them out, and so you know uh, I want you guys to have the joy of what they experienced, and just uh, you know we'll share in that. And even people that are uh, listening uh, through the podcast, uh, just recently I've just been getting a whole lot of emails regarding our podcast ministry. Uh, just random people we've, we've never met, and people that we uh, met at one point or another through a conference or something. Uh, people who are tuning in every single week, uh, they're emailing me and just saying, I, I don't know if you get emails like this, but uh, I just wanted to tell you that this and this happened and your, your message spoke to me specifically about this and Marcus's message. Uh, one sister in uh, Australia emailed me uh, just this past week and said she was listening to Marcus's message and the power of God just started hitting her every time he said a certain phrase in the middle of his message. I'll print it out for you, bro. I, I think you'll be encouraged. But uh, uh, praise the Lord, uh, and uh, I encourage um, everyone who's uh, really just kind of part of this kind of community uh, to go check out all the Pattaya uh, testimonies, uh, because I believe that even as we listen to those testimonies, there's going to be the power of God's going to get released uh, for healing and for um, faith to go out and, and to lay hands and heal people. All right, so I'm, I'm going to be continuing my Make War um, series, hallelujah. Who's excited? Amen. <clears throat> so last week, uh, I preached a very important message called make war on a witchcraft spirit. Hallelujah. And I talked mainly, mainly about how a witchcraft spirit attacks the family. Today, we are going to look at how the witchcraft spirit attacks the church. Now, I was originally going to just preach one message but there's so much stuff here that I'm going to break it down to two messages. All right? So if you're ready to receive the word, bow your heads with me for a second here. Uh, Lord God, I just thank you so much for your word. Your words, they are spirit and life. And I pray that God, as I preach your word, may I not just preach just your word, but may I preach the, the life that is in your word, oh God. The wisdom that is in your word, oh God. And I pray that, Lord, right now, I bind up every demonic spirit that seeks to destroy and target this church for destruction. I bind up those spirits. I bind up every doubting, mocking spirit, every religious spirit. I bind them by the blood of Jesus. And right now, I pray and I speak forth a loosing of an anointing upon your people that they may have the ears to hear what you are saying to the church. And may you anoint my mouth to speak this word with great boldness and authority. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Yeah, look, look at that, look at that audio meter. Right, everyone say hallelujah. hallelujah. That don't go up. Alright, make, make sure we get a good, good audio level. Hallelujah. I, I was driving and listening to, uh, the Sunday podcast and, uh, I couldn't hear y'all laughing and stuff. It, 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 made, it made me look like, like I was telling these jokes and nobody, nobody was laughing. <laughs> Alright, all right, we can change that with this mic here. Fine tune the level. I know I'm funny. I don't need nobody telling me that. <clears throat> uh, anyway, uh, uh, much of the materials that I'm preaching uh, from uh, on this message series uh, on the witchcraft spirit, it comes from a book called Exposing Witchcraft in the Church by Rick Godwin. Uh, it's a book that Brother Michael highly recommended that I read. And so I'm going to be continuing to preach a lot of the wisdom from this book. Um, last week, look, we looked at witchcraft. We looked at the occultic forms of witchcraft, which are more overt and obvious. And then we looked at the kind of witchcraft that arises out of our flesh, out of our sinful nature. And that, that these forms are more covert and hidden, and they're much harder to detect. But the bottom line is, witchcraft is Satan's way of imposing his will on your will. All right. And we looked at 1 Samuel 15:23 and saw that God considers rebellion as the sin of witchcraft. Witchcraft and rebellion, they're like identical twins. And underneath witchcraft, you will often find rebellion. And there are three key words that act as caution flags to help us identify witchcraft. What are they? Number one, manipulation, domination, and intimidation. Now, when you run, whenever you run into these things, you will find an evil spirit lurking not too far behind. This is the devil's modus operandi. I don't know if I'm still saying that right, but uh, it's a good word. I like it. Modus operandi. Uh, God never manipulates, God never dominates, and God never intimidates. But Satan takes authority by using these illegitimate means. And these are the signs of the presence of a witchcraft Spirit. So last week we looked at how witchcraft spirit attacks the family. If you need, if you didn't listen to it, I want you to go back and listen to that because this is very important. You won't understand this message as well unless you listen to that. Today we're going to look at how witchcraft spirit attacks the church. Mark my words, this will be one of the most important messages that you will ever hear. So if you're a leader here at New Philly, I want you to take out your pen, make sure you're taking some notes. Because what you learn at this hour, I'm not going to go over this every single week. You're going to need to apply as our church goes into the new levels. Hallelujah. I believe God will use this message to heal the church and to keep healthy, growing, dynamic churches from coming into uh, just destruction. Right? This is a very powerful, important message. Now, if you look around you, have you ever wondered... Why there are so many church splits today? Church splits, lawsuits, and dissensions. By a show of hands, how many people in here have experienced a church split in your life? Raise your hand. My goodness. Okay. That's about half or more than half here. Okay. And the rest of y'all, y'all were up in the club and, uh, <laughs> Just came to church. You don't know what the big deal is. All right, hallelujah. Listen up, though. 
Um, and we got to ask ourselves a very important question. Why is the church so messed up? Why is, we cannot start thinking, this is just normal. This is just what some churches go through. No, you got to ask yourself, why is the church so messed up? And some people may say that it's because people just don't know how to get along with each other. I don't know about that. I think that's too convenient of an answer. If you really look at what's going on in the church, there's stuff going on that will shock unbelievers. Stuff that unbelievers will not even resort to. And this is a sign, not that people can't get along. It's a sign of satanic activity right within the church. And I believe that witchcraft spirits have everything to do with it. Last week we looked at how when a young child behaves in a manipulative manner and that behavior is not corrected, that child grows up to become a manipulative adult. Now, when that adult joins a church, a witchcraft spirit may seize that opportunity to manipulate and control the church. So what began as witchcraft in the family, it spreads into the family of God. Since we see so much manipulation, domination, intimidation in the family, we should not be so surprised to find it going on right within the church. People that grow up like this and they've never been healed or delivered from it, they're going to bring all that into the church. And so we need to wake up. We need to wake up because this is real. This is in our face. Hallelujah. Leaders, I want to emphasize, y'all need to take good notes right now. Y'all need to really take good notes. We listen to this message This is a very important message right here. We need strong leaders at this hour in the church. Amen? We need some strong leaders. Without strong leadership, witchcraft spirits can use one single person to destroy an entire congregation. Even spirit-filled churches are biting the dust due to witchcraft spirits. And we need y'all to understand this in your mind and catch it in your spirit. We need the leaders of the church... To really be discerning and strong and united at this hour. Because the outpouring and revival that God's about to bring into many of the local churches of the world, we're not going to be able to really contain and sustain it unless we have strong leadership. Hallelujah. Speaking of strong leadership, once the fivefold ministry is firmly established and restored back to the local church, witchcraft spirits, they won't get very far. If you read in the Bible, right? Prophets and apostles, they build up churches with authority and discernment. And they have a grace of God upon them to destroy every demonic attack. Look in the Bible. Think about the apostle Paul confronting the slave girl with the spirit of divination. Or do you know about the apostle Paul striking elements the magician with blindness? Oh, hallelujah. Apostles don't play. Hallelujah. Or the apostle Peter. Confronting Ananias and Sapphira for lying about the offering. And then they get struck dead. Oh, hallelujah. Don't lie about your offering if you know there's an apostle present in the church. But they might just confront you. Hallelujah. But you know what? That's what we need back in the church. This apostolic leadership with discernment and authority. 
we, we, this witchcraft spirit's going around and destroying and dividing churches. It's got to stop. And it will stop when thoughtful ministers are honored and placed within the local church. Uh, across different churches. Hallelujah. But that's not what we're talking about today. Today, I'm going to talk about how witchcraft spirits are hitting the church. And there are two spirits, uh, main ways in which a witchcraft spirit is targeting the church. Today, I'm going to talk about one of them. And it's called a Jezebel spirit. Somebody say Jezebel spirit. Now, a Jezebel spirit is attracted primarily to prophetic personalities. Okay. Next week, I'm going to talk about Lucifer, the Lucifer spirit. And you might be like, well, that doesn't make no sense. Uh, it will make sense when I preach it next week. Okay. But these are the two ways in which the local church today is getting hit with witchcraft attack. Jezebel spirit and a Lucifer spirit. A uh, Jezebel spirit is primarily attracted to prophetic personalities. A Lucifer spirit is attracted to more of the strong leadership types with a lot of charisma. Jezebel is found mostly in the female gender, although male, males can also exhibit the same spirit. Lucifer is exhibited mostly in men. And as we have already looked at, the root of witchcraft is rebellion, and it expresses itself in manipulation, domination, and intimidation. And a Jezebel and Lucifer spirit, both of these spirits are known to employ all three means to get their way. Now, these two spirits are poisoned to the church, and it's very difficult to detect them in the early stages. They can hide within anointed, gifted, diligent, friendly leaders who may seem like an answer to prayer. So this is... This is uh, very serious stuff. Now, today I only have time to talk about one of them. So we're going to talk about the Jezebel spirit. Now, sisters, don't get offended. All right? It does target primarily women. So I'm going to talk a lot about women. I'm going to say she, she, she a lot. But I'm saying it could also apply to men. And we'll get to the men next week. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, but today we're talking about the Jezebel spirit. Turn to Revelation chapter 2, our main text for today. Verses 20 through 22. This is a letter written to the church in Tiatra. Tiatra. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I don't care. <laughs> church in Tiatra. Okay. <coughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't be speaking out loud like that. Uh, let's read this together. Um. On the count of one, two, three. One, two, three, go. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of our works. All right. In this passage, the Holy Spirit spoke to the church in Tiatra about a Jezebel spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, Jezebel was a living, breathing woman. 
But in the New Testament, she is a spirit. Similarly, in the Old Testament, Babylon was a physical, literal place. But in the, in the New Testament, Babylon is a spirit. Okay. Often what is singular and local in the Old Testament is corporate, boundless, and spiritual in the New Testament. Hallelujah. Somebody with me? Okay, this is a deep spiritual wisdom. All right. Uh, if, you, if you just need a couple of examples, think about the temple of God. In the Old Testament, temple of God is local. It's a physical place. But in the New Testament, the temple is boundless. It's spiritual. It's us. It's our physical body. All right. And for people who are really thinkers, I'll give you another example, right? Um, the priesthood. In the Old Testament, it's local. It's a, it's a physical priesthood. But today, it's, it's a boundless, it's a spiritual priesthood given to all believers. All right, somebody with me? Amen. All right. So it's important to keep in mind because when we deal with Jezebel, we are not dealing with a person. We're dealing more with a spirit. Now, let's look at the life of Jezebel in the Old Testament to get an idea of what she was like. Okay, if you turn to 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 31. Okay, I'm not going to read it. You can turn there just to keep it referenced. In 1 Kings chapter 16, Ahab... The king of Israel takes a wife for himself. And this wife is the daughter of a Sidonian king. And she is a worshiper of Baal, one of the false gods of that time. And after they were married, Ahab began worshiping Baal right along with his wife. And together they led Israel into the sin of idolatry. Now, the name of Ahab's wife was Jezebel. Okay. So God raised up a prophet. Somebody know who his name is? Okay. It's Elijah. God called Elijah to get the nation of Israel to repent. And then he spoke out a drought over the entire land of Israel. In 1 Kings chapter 18, Jezebel, what she does is she murders all the prophets of God and replaces them with the prophets of Baal. That's pretty serious. For just generations after generations, people have respected the prophets of God. Here comes one lady and gets them all murdered within a day. This is a very powerful spirit you're talking about here. And what, she, what she did was very, very serious. She took authority that God did not give her. And in response to this, God sent Elijah to confront these prophets about on Mount Carmel. So on one side, you got 450 demon-possessed prophets of Baal. And on the other, other side, you had Elijah. And then God demonstrated that he is the true God by sending fire on the altar. And then once the people of Israel saw this and they were convinced that Yahweh is the true God, Elijah told all the people, don't let those prophets get away. Kill them right now. And so the people, they slew all those prophets of Baal. And within 24 hours, the drought was broken and revival began to spread once again. Now, Ahab tells Jezebel about what happened. She wasn't there. And Jezebel sends this message to Elijah. She says, May the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life 
as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. That's intimidation. You got to take note that she was not phased by the demonstration of God's power at Mount Carmel. She just went ahead and threatened to kill Elijah. Why not? She already killed a whole bunch of prophets already. She intimidated Elijah with so much fear that the Bible tells us that Elijah became depressed. That's pretty powerful. Elijah became depressed. Now, you got to ask yourself, where's the king of Israel in all of this? Right? Who's in charge here? Jezebel's not the king. Ahab is. But who's running the show? Jezebel. Undeterred by her pushover husband, she used manipulation, intimidation, and domination to assert her illegitimate rule. And this is why Jezebel is so dangerous. She thirsts for control. And she will do anything necessary to get it. In 1 Kings chapter 21, you have another story. King Ahab, he sees a garden, a vineyard that he wants. Unfortunately, the owner of this vineyard refuses to sell it to him. Ahab goes over, he lays down dejected. Jezebel comes over, what's wrong, honey? She hears about what happens. And you know what she does? She writes letters in Ahab's name, seals them with Ahab's seal, and then she wrongfully accuses the owner of this vineyard of blaspheming God and has him stoned to death through the leadership of the kingdom. And worst of all, the leadership of Israel complied with Jezebel's directives. Why? Because they were scared of her. That's why. They were scared of her. When she'd be walking around the garden, they whispered to each other, Oh, that's one woman you do not want to mess with. She is... I don't know what she got, but I don't want to find out. Right? People were scared of her. Why? Because she used intimidation. She had a thirst for control and she used whatever means possible to get it. And you know what? We wrestle with the same problem in our churches today. Oftentimes the man behind the pulpit is not the one in charge. Instead, it's a woman or a man on the deacon board or on the leadership that's running the church through witchcraft, through illegitimate authority. If you've seen evidence of this, say amen. I mean, I've, I've heard plenty of stories from you also. In Hebrew, Jezebel means Baal is husband, and it also means inability to cohabitate. Okay? Jezebel refuses to cohabitate and partner with anyone else. You see, Jezebel's got to be in charge. I've got to have control. It's, it's got to be my way. She has to be in control. And what you notice in the letter to Thyatira in the book of Revelation is that people didn't recognize Jezebel as a prophet. She was calling herself a prophetess. It was a self-proclamation. Right, look, look in verse 21 of Revelation 2. I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. A person with a Jezebel spirit 
will insist through self-proclamation that they have a particular gift or that they have the office of prophet or apostle. You see, check this out. If you do have a particular gift or you have a particular five-fold office, the leadership of a local church should be able to recognize it. As you give your best to the church and you serve and you remain at your best. As you stay humble, the leadership of a church should be able to recognize that. And then they should be able to recognize that you are indeed gifted and anointed in that way. Right? The Bible tells us, he who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is a kingdom principle. If you want to come up to leadership within the church, you've got to humble yourself. It's not through self-proclamation that you do it. That is not the spirit of God. These are not the ways of the kingdom of God. But a Jezebel spirit, you see, she thirsts for control. And when she sees something as powerful as the gift of prophecy, she's going to proclaim that she has it so she can leverage more control over people. Does somebody, does somebody understand what I'm saying in here? Check it out, New Philly. If I and the top level leadership of this church, if we don't approve of someone as having a prophetic gift, that's probably because they don't have one. Or they need to develop it more. Or it may be a spirit of divination. Thus, if they prophesy over you, you need to take that with a grain of salt. You need to be very discerning about the stuff that you're receiving from that person. Don't get all confused and cry, but they prophesied about my future husband. Okay. Look, if it's somebody that we don't approve of, we don't have that stamp of approval on, look, you need to really take it with a grain of salt. You can encourage them, be loving, you don't have to be. That's the spirit of divination. All right, don't do that, right? (laughs) Encourage them, but you know, you take that with, you, you either reject it if you feel like it's not from the Lord, or you take it with a grain of salt. You see, you got the spirit of God in you and you got to, we we as a people, we need to learn to be discerning. Amen. Amen. And if the person steps over the guidelines of prophecy for this church, you better make sure you let the leaders know. Okay. Because that person may have a Jezebel spirit and they're just trying to win control over you. And you know what? When they're trying to win control over you, they're prophesying whatever you want to hear. What's your prayer request? Uh, I want to get married. <laughs> I, I'm praying for you. And I see this handsome, tall, dark man. And his name is Marcus Corbin. <laughs> oh, I receive it, sister. I receive it. Just receive it. <laughs> They'll tell you whatever you want to hear so that they can get in control over you. You've got to be careful. Now, what is Jezebel's agenda? There are three things. False religion, false doctrine, and most of all, undermining authority. So three things that are on Jezebel's agenda. False religion, false doctrine, and most of all, the undermining of authority. We, we observe in King Ahab's wife that she brought false religion and false doctrine into, the, uh, into Israel at that time. She introduced paganism. Right? She introduced all these kinds of uh, different 
doctrines that Israel did not know. And a Jezebel spirit will introduce paganism, Eastern mysticism, occultic practices, and, sh- and that just spirit will bring it right within the church. And you got to be careful. If she offers free pulse readings and acupuncture and tells everybody to sign up, oh, you better be careful. That's a Jezebel spirit. will do that right. It will set up that table right within the middle of the church. Because you're trying to bring false religion and false doctrine into the church. And if a man of God opposes her, she'll probably make sure that he's depressed or dead. That's what Jezebel's spirit does. She boldly goes after God's anointed. Jezebel has an agenda to mix false beliefs with the worship of the true God. Now, but her biggest agenda is to undermine authority. Anywhere you find a Jezebel spirit, you will probably find weak men with passive authority. A Jezebel spirit feeds on people like Ahab. Weak-willed, people-pleasing, people-fearing leaders. I'll tell you right now, you ain't looking at one right now. Because you ain't going to find a man like that here. But there's plenty of leaders out there in the church that are like this. She goes after leadership with the purpose of making them useless, powerless, and lifeless. She lures people away from a true spiritual covering, away from the pastor, away from the local church, away from the local leadership, and then she seduces them into her sphere of influence. Her tools can range from prophecy to flattery to sex. She fiercely defends her little kingdom and that she fosters unusual dependence from her followers. Now, her groups are literally, it's just little covens of witchcraft. That's what's really happening. But a Jezebel spirit will never tell you that. Right? Instead, the covens are often referred to as Bible study groups, as prayer groups. I'm like, this is stuff is happening right before our noses. But wake up, brothers and sisters. It's happening right in front of us. And we as a people of God, we need to be discerning. We need to be alert of the enemy's schemes. We're coming to an hour where this is going to break off the church. And God's healing is going to heal all the church splits that anyone's ever been through. And that church is going to rise up with healing in its wings. Hallelujah. And you'll notice that a person exhibiting a Jezebel spirit resents strong male leaders. This is often because it's rooted in her dysfunctional relationship with her own natural father. Whether that father was absent in her life, or that father abused her sexually or physically, this kind of resentment is often rooted in her natural in a relationship with her natural father. Now this doesn't, exp- this doesn't make what she's doing okay. But it explains how she got there. And people with the Jezebel spirit. They're haunted by helpless feelings from their past. And they yearn to be in control of their environment. Knowingly or unknowingly. Her prayer group. Turns into a platform. To undermine the leadership of the church. Oftentimes when she shares prayer requests or when she prays, it echoes the resentment that she has toward the leaders. Oh Lord, 
Open up the heart of our leaders. Open up the heart of our pastor to the things that you're showing us. And she packages it up like it's all spiritual. There ain't nothing spiritual about what she's doing. In effect, she is committing sedition. Somebody say sedition. Sedition. Ask your neighbor, what is sedition? If you know the answer, tell your neighbor. Sedition. You know, sedition, if you don't know, it's an old word for stirring up dissension. When you do it against your nation, it's called treason. And it's punishable by death. Very serious crime. The hidden secret attack upon the church through sedition has been the cause of many church splits today. It has destroyed relationships, created dissension. And let's be clear here. Any attempt to undermine the spiritual authority of church leaders is sedition. And it is a serious form of rebellion. And Jezebel is an expert at undermining spiritual authority without seeming like she's doing that. And a Jezebel spirit, bold when she goes after God's anointed. Just like Jezebel killed off the prophets, went after Elijah, she'll go after the leaders of a church. And she'll drive them to discouragement, despair, and even premature death. You know, the sad thing is, a lot of the leaders, they want to try to stay strong for, for the church. So oftentimes, they don't share about their feelings, about what they're going through. They might put a smile on their face on Sunday, but man, they are tortured by what Jezebel spirits are doing within their church. And they, they can't even put their finger on it. They don't even know where, what, where this is coming from. They think it's just people issues. But it's actually a spiritual fight. There are demonic spirits involved with this. And many encounter deep periods of loneliness, discouragement. Some of them don't even want to continue living. They end up, it affects their ministry, their health, their marriage. People get divorced. And what many pe- pastors don't realize is what they are dealing with is a demonic spirit called Jezebel. You know, <clears throat> before Satan comes after the sheep, he first comes after the shepherd. Zechariah chapter 3 verse, I mean 13 verse 7 says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. How many of you in here have ever gotten into a fist fight? Got into a fist fight. Have you ever been in a fist fight? You know that one of the first places you get hit is your head. Unless you're really good at fist fighting. Leaders often will take the hit before the rest of the body does. And when leaders fall, the sheep get scattered. No matter what that leader has done to build up the church, when that leader falls, the sheep going to get scattered. I'm telling you, on any given day, Satan will take one leader for a thousand sheep. Just take out one shepherd, one pastor. 
He'll trade it up for a thousand sheep because he knows that if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. You know, back in um, 2002, right when I just graduated from college, I heard about a friend whose father was a pastor of a local church in New Jersey. One day, out of nowhere, this pastor left the church, went to the West Coast, and ran off with another woman. Now, there was no indication that anything was wrong. Okay, He had actually spoke for a KCCC event recently. And when we heard about it, we were shocked. It caught everybody by surprise. He had so many years invested in the kingdom of God, in, the, in his marriage, in his children. There was no pattern of adultery in the past. What happened? What will compel a man of God like this to do this? Okay. I'm telling you. It was a Jezebel spirit. That Jezebel spirit destroyed that congregation. All right. One year later, he came back, actually. Came to his senses and came back, repented. And his wife took him back. But the damage was already done. That Jezebel spirit used sex and whatever else uh, that Jezebel spirit used through that woman. Struck that shepherd. Scattered the sheep. Jezebel's spirit leaves behind a trail of church splits, broken marriages, broken hearts, destroyed lives. This is what it does. And just as an aside, for the people who are under the seduction of a Jezebel spirit, you're the victim of, some, of a Jezebel spirit. We as a church, we need to reach out to people like that. Okay, because let's just not cast them out of our churches because of moral, fa- moral failure. Uh, if we hear that they're committing adultery, right? Don't just prejudge. Don't presume so fast. Because what they really need is they need discerning men and women to speak into their lives and to deliver them from that Jezebel spirit that's keeping them under bondage. And if, if, the, if, if, it's, if you don't get there too late, you can still restore their ministry. Right? And so we as a church, you know, the, you know oftentimes the body of Christ will judge someone too quickly without knowing what really happened. And they just think, oh, he was just, a, 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 he was just like that. That's the way he was. And he was just hiding it from us. No, sometimes it's not like that. It's a real man of integrity, wonderful man of God. And guess what? He got hit by a demonic spirit called Jezebel. Right? And so, you know, we as a church, you know, we sometimes we need to reach out when we see people like that. Now, now that we, I've looked at, we looked at the agenda of a Jezebel spirit and the strategy of a Jezebel spirit, I want us to look at three characteristics of a person with a Jezebel spirit. Those three characteristics. Number one, dysfunctional. Two, defensive. Three, nosy. Okay, number one, a person with a dysfunctional, I mean, a person with a Jezebel spirit often has a dysfunctional family background. That's because Jezebel feeds on dysfunction. If you look down their family line, you'll often find alcoholism, mental illness, abuse, parental domination, occultic involvement. It is not uncommon for Jezebel to also be sexually unclean or have some kind of sexual perversion in their life. And because she is dysfunctional, dysfunctional people are attracted to her. 
So oftentimes these little covens and little prayer groups that are formed are often filled with just a bunch of dysfunctional people. And they all know how to relate to each other. But underneath the surface lies a person with deep hurts and wounds. Second characteristic of a person with a Jezebel spirit. When challenged, they get very defensive. And they react with hostility. She lashes back with guilt-ridden accusations such as, You're not praying enough. You're not submitted to authority. You're in rebellion. How could you say that to me? I love you. I've given so much for the church. How could you do this to me? With aggression, she will intimidate. She'll quote scripture. And she'll try to challenge. And she'll try to make people that challenge her feel inferior. And so instead of dealing with the real issues of control that that person has, they're often dodged the issues. And because they're dodged the issues and then when you, if you ever attempt to confront somebody with a Jezebel spirit, you'll probably walk away confused because the issue that you want to talk to them about never got dealt with. Instead, they just dumped a bunch of accusation back on you. But they get very defensive and they react with hostility. Another characteristic of a person with a Jezebel spirit is that they're very nosy. Okay? They must know everything and anything that's going on in the church. Right? From the top to the bottom. Jezebel's spirit thrives on information. She wants to know about everybody's ministry, their marriage, their children, their mistakes. She concerns herself with things that are none of her business. But for her, it's a form of control. Now, It's not always easy to detect the spirit of Jezebel at work within the church. She may masquerade as care, concern, intercession, or support. She may dodge the issues by saying things like, Well, I've been called to be a watchman for the pastor. But you know what? We as a people of God, we need to be discerning. Gossip is one of the most destructive activities of a local church. And you know what? We ourselves, we got to be careful not to do what Jezebel spirits do. Because they're oftentimes, they're packaged prayer requests and they're repackaged them. They're, no, they're, they're take gossip and repackage it as prayer requests, right? Hey everybody, hey, let's pray for Brother Kenny. Ah, uh, we, People saw him at, you know, that place again. Uh, let's pray for Wilma and Fred. Now their marriage is on the rocks again. Right? It's, it's just really gossip. It's just gossip. Right? I mean, I'm telling you, those, those prayer groups, those prayer meetings are really fun. Like, you like it or not, they're fun. There's an element of like, like, there's a thrill about it. Whoa! Yeah, because you find what you're really involved with is gossip. It's not a prayer meeting. It's gossip. We must be careful not to allow a spirit of Jezebel or her destructive patterns to go undetected. Now, I'm going to 
talk about making war on this Jezebel spirit. Okay, I'm going to close with this. There are two key steps to keep in mind to make war on a Jezebel spirit. All right? This spirit has a toxic effect on the church and it must be dealt with swiftly and thoroughly. Okay? So number one, you confront Jezebel head on using strong spiritual authority. Confront Jezebel head on using strong spiritual authority. See, we got to rid ourselves of this influence. Jesus said, okay, I have this against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel. Okay, Jesus held this against the church in Tiatra. That pe- they were tolerating, they had a passive attitude. Toward dealing with the Jezebel spirit within the church. This is, un- this is not acceptable. Okay? It's poison. It's toxic. It's got to be dealt with head on. Okay? We cannot sit passively watching Jezebel at work in our churches. Wishing that she'd just go away. The longer we tolerate it. The more destruction that she will leave behind. Her intent. Whether that person under that influence knows it or not. The intent of a Jezebel spirit is to undermine the spiritual authority. And they, it will stop and nothing to accomplish this, this ends to their goals. So if you see such behavior, we got to lovingly but firmly, we got to let them know this is not going to be tolerated at this church. If the behavior continues, then you got to let the top level leaders know. Okay. And then the leaders, all right, John Michael, Anita, all right, just... Deacon board, you know, I don't know who I would assign this to. But if I don't feel like doing it, y'all got to go talk to them, okay? <laughs> uh, no, if I'm not available, uh, anyway. Our leaders, we got to stand up to such persons. Okay, Don't let them use all their little manipulation techniques, dump all their accusation back on you, and then you feel all confused and, and think you got the issues. No, don't let them, let, let, don't let them dodge the issue. You got to confirm it, be firm. You got to confront it and be firm. And you got to dissolve their influence with the authority that God has given you here in this church. And when such people are unwilling to deal with these control issues in a humble way, and they want to continue meeting in their little prayer groups, okay, sometimes it's best to ask such people to leave. Okay, sometimes you prune a tree to make it more healthy and fruitful. And what we need to understand in the church of God is, if you, if you see somebody and they're asked to leave, look, do me a favor, don't gossip about it to the rest of the church. If you don't know the full case, you don't know the full story, don't go around gossiping about it and spread more distrust toward the leaders. Sometimes you just got to submit to that. Because we may be protecting that person by keeping a lot of that info private, but amongst the leaders, we've made a discerning decision. And if those decisions are made, you, gotta just, you just got to trust and submit to that. And if you feel like we're off, then come and talk to us. But do me a favor. Do not go around spreading gossip and saying, Hey, I noticed Pastor Christian talked to so-and-so, and that person is not coming to our church anymore. Oh, there goes Pastor Christian with those people issues again. 
He needs to learn how to be more gentle. Okay, I know I need to be more gentle, but that's not the real issue. That's not what really happened. So stop presuming and being critical. All right? And just humble yourself and submit. Because if you were in the position of leadership, you will understand where I'm coming from. Sometimes it is out of love that we don't announce it on Sunday service what exactly happened. Does everybody understand this? Amen? So, we got to, number one, confront. Okay? So when it comes to that, obviously, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to just, you know, hey, I, I, think, I think, you know, like, Mina has a Jezebel spirit. Okay, or, okay, I'm going to confront Mina this week. Okay, no. Obviously, it's not going to be like that, all right? We, uh, the leaders would have to be in agreement, would have to be discerning of the issues and realize that, wow, this person is not repenting. This person has a pattern. This is pretty serious. Let's see if it's correctable. If it's not correctable, we need to get involved. We need to do our thing. Hallelujah. Anyway, second, live in submission to God and teach those under spiritual authority to live in submission also. Live in submission to God and teach those under your spiritual authority to live in submission also. Small group leaders, you teach your small group members the importance of submission to spiritual authority. Right? Pastors, you got to emphasize importance of submission to spiritual authority. Well, you know, at this church, you know, some of the, uh, the lay leaders have more authority than the, than the pastors because, you know, they're pastors in training. Okay? They may not know the exact order and rank and order. I, I have it clear in my mind, though. And I think the core leaders have it clear in their mind, too. Hallelujah. But, uh, we got to teach submission to authority. Submission is the solution to sedition. I didn't make that up. It's Rick Godwin. Okay. It's really easy to remember. Submission is the solution to sedition. Now, sedition is another word for treason, right? right. Stirring of dissension. When a woman submitted to her husband, Jezebel's spirits cannot affect that marriage. Hallelujah. So, women of God, obey the word of God. Amen? <laughs> yeah, why are the brothers answering? <laughs> uh, I was talking to the women. Anyway, when a man is submitted to the leadership of a church, he will not undermine the authority of that church. Okay? When a body of believers is submitted to the leadership, that church will leave no room and no space for Jezebel spirits to do their thing. This is how we make war. Is we emphasize the importance of submission to God and to authority. We look at Jesus. He's the best example of submission. He submitted himself to the will of the Father. He submitted himself and humbled himself even to death. Even death on the cross. Jesus did not dominate, manipulate, or intimidate to get his authority. He's establishing a kingdom. Through humility and submission. And we need to follow in the master's steps. Amen. Yeah. You know, it's such a joy to serve here at New Philadelphia. Can I just say that? Because from day one of my tenure here as the lead pastor. I have preached about submission to authority. And people have really taken this teaching to heart. And you know what? This is it's such a blessing. Among the core leaders. Uh, here that I work with, there has been no pattern 
of manipulation or questionable behavior. And I, you know what? Whether you know it or not, we have dealt with Jezebel spirits here in this church. We have dealt with Je- Jezebel spirits. And I believe we'll continue to deal with them in the future. But because New Philly values submission to authority, I'm telling you, Jezebel spirits have no place at this church. They have no space to do their work. They do their work, but it has very little influence here. You know what? That's a real blessing. In New Philly, we got to keep it that way. Amen? Because I mean, if it changes, I don't, I don't know if I'll be too happy to continue to serve as a pastor. I'm playing, I'm playing. I'll, I'll, I'll walk through it. But only for a few months. I'm playing. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. I love y'all. Now, uh, before I close, okay, I'm just going to close here. But before I close, I know after you guys hear one of my messages, you know, I think it's the anointing. It really causes you guys to remember and to apply th- these messages. I mean, I, I, I get all kinds of people just throwing around all these uh, phrases and terms that are from my message. I think that's the anointing. Now, I know we like to throw away, I mean, throw around certain terms from these sermons. Okay. But I want to ask you to do something very careful. Be very careful with throwing around the term Jezebel. Okay, can everyone do me a favor? Can you say yes? Yes. Okay, do not throw around this term Jezebel. It's a term that's easy to apply to situations and people, but it's very difficult to remove. So don't even joke about it. You know, like, what, you want to get together a prayer meeting this week? Does Pastor Christian know about this? Isn't that the Jezebel spirit girl? I ain't going to that prayer meeting. No, I'm playing. I'm playing, girl. <laughs> I love you. you know. Don't do that. Don't play around like that. Because <laughs> as people act out of their insecurities, people can get hurt. You know, Mike Bickle said it like this in Growing in the Prophetic. He said, he urged pe- leaders to be careful not to carelessly throw around labels such as Jezebel. He says, too many women who have a leadership gift are labeled Jezebels Simply because they clash with a man who has a controlling personality. Okay. So we gotta be very careful here. There are just some women in here, and they're just strong. Hallelujah. And as your pastor, I have no insecurities with raising them up as the leaders of the church. But you know, we need to be careful. Don't throw around this term, because a lot of people are gonna get hurt. Okay. Now next week, we're gonna deal with Jezebel's partner in crime. It's what Jezebel rides with every single week in the churches. It's a spirit that's more dominant in men. And it's called the Lucifer spirit. But for today, we're going to end here. Let's close in prayer. Lord Father, we just do thank you, Lord. For the wisdom that you are revealing to the church at this hour through this message. My prayer is that this message will go out to more local churches. So that they may be alert and that they will not be unaware of the devil's schemes we know that satan he goes in and out of your presence and he knows he will come right up inside the local church and do his dirty work from right from within the people of god and so god as your people teach us to be discerning because we know that the wheat and the tares are they're growing up together and god lord we we want to be discerning about the enemy's activity And Lord God, we want to guard our hearts so that we don't fall into the same same patterns. Maybe we don't have a Jezebel spirit controlling us. But Lord, we don't ever want 
to find ourselves emulating the habits of a Jezebel spirit. And God, Lord, as we make war on this thing, we, we just thank you that, God, our church is going to grow. Our church is going to expand our boundaries. We're going to reach more and build up more churches and plant churches and, and strengthen church plants all over the nations. And our church will be strong with a strong foundation because of the wisdom and discernment of the leadership here. We just thank you so much for this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.